Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Okay, so I wanted to call this podcast something about Play-Doh because I think Play-Doh is amazing. And so you said it's not that amazing. Well, you know, to me, Play-Doh is... Play-Doh, you squish it together, and I'm one of those people I really don't like my colors mixed. It, it Play-Doh. <laughs> I know my kids loved it. I mean, my, all of my kids loved Play-Doh. I think they would have had Play-Doh all the time and everywhere, um, but it all ended up being gross and dried out. So talk to me a little bit about why you love, and I mean love, Play-Doh. I mean, I am the person who bought a bag of 52 Play-Dohs to hand out for Halloween and Hallie was horrified. My daughter was absolutely horrified. She was like, what are you doing handing out Play-Doh? I said, it's an option. They can take candy or they can take Play-Doh. I didn't force Play-Doh on anybody. I'm not a mean, nasty person. So It's better than a pencil. It is better than a pencil or a toothbrush. Oh, did you not have a dentist on your (laughs) trick-or-treating route as a child? Well, yes, I did because my main... I lived on Main Street, so we had every business that was on Main Street. So we had Dairy Queen and pizza and, of course, the dentist. So I liked the ones who gave you just dollar, like the gold dollar coins. Those were those were good trick-or-treating houses. Why do people not do that? I don't know. I could, hand, I could handle some quarters. Okay. So Play-Doh. I give it out at Halloween. I only give the small individual size, not the one that's like, four or six ounces I just give the little baby one because it fits in their bag and it doesn't weigh a whole lot I like play-doh because it helps the sensory kids the kids who are just they need a lot of sensory input and these are not always you know four-year-old boys but four-year-old boys are definitely people who need a lot of sensory input so what do you mean by that I mean, like they're always pushing and pulling each other or the furniture or whatever. So give them something they're supposed to push and pull. Oh, like all those 14-year-olds. Well, yes, those two. Yeah, 14-year-olds too. But we don't have those in our programs unless you've got, you know, junior counselors. So I like it for those kids who need to push and pull. Also for pinchers, kids who are pinching. Again, they have a need. And instead of letting them meet it by pinching each other, I'd rather them pinch (laughs) Play-Doh and say, okay, can you make a hedgehog? Or can you make a, what's the American critter that's like a hedgehog? They hang in trees. Possum. Possum. Make a possum. (laughs) (laughs) Or uh, porcupine. Porcupine. Those are the things that are easy. If you pinch the Play-Doh, you can make those critters. Okay, so you brought up a great point. And I know this is not really what your goal was here out of the top 10 things to do with Play-Doh. But... If you have a kid who you know is that pinchy kid, how, and I mean, how can you identify or how can you as a director teach your staff to identify when to get the Play-Doh out for that kid um, before he pinches? I mean, obviously afterwards you think to yourself, well, that would have been a good activity to do 20 minutes ago. Well, I mean, part of it is doing the good observations that you should do in a classroom when you have a behavior problem that starts. And so the teacher observes what time of day does it happen. So just having a chart that's broken into 15-minute increments and just for a week chart when does it happen. Because it's usually the same time of day, but you don't realize it because you're just living your life, right? It's usually, for some kids, it's like the first hour that they're at the school 
because they're reestablishing, you know, this is my turf um, or they're anxious. Those are two reasons that pinching happens. Sometimes it's when they get tired and crabby. And sometimes it's when they wake up and they're just like, I don't want to deal with you people. <laughs> so, again, back to those teenagers. Okay, so <laughs> we can tell what age Kate's youngest is at the moment. So, talk to me a little bit about, so we know that you like Play-Doh as something in the classroom, as something for your sensory kids and for the pinchers. How would you incorporate that into centers or into curriculum? So, one of the things to do is create what's called a discovery box. And this is something that Regio type programs do a lot. And they'll have a box. And the quintessential one is one you can buy from Ikea where there's one longer cubby inside the box. And then like four others that are small. They're like craft boxes. Like the ones you would use for sorting beads, right? But there's one that's big enough to put a rolling pin. A little kid's rolling pin. And then they'll put the rolling pin and Play-Doh and then things that go with the unit. So if they're doing a unit on fairy tales, then there would be a Play-Doh discovery box that has Play-Doh that they've made with glitter and that's all pastel cushy colors. Kate is sticking her tongue out. Kate is not a girly girl, except for her fingernails. <laughs> but, you know, so it would have maybe some star glitter in it and it would be those pastel colors that you think about when you think about unicorns because fairy tale unicorns are fairy tale animals um if you're doing a unit on farm animals then you would have play-doh in barn red and maybe green for grass and then you would have in that discovery box you would have some critters that would live on a farm like little plastic pigs and horses and cows cows chihuahuas whatever peacocks whatever animals you keep on your farm Okay, so if you keep a peacock on your farm, it will eat the venomous snakes so that the venomous snakes won't attack your goats. I mean, that was a ranch, but it's the same concept, right? Anyway, <laughs> um, so you put some of the animals that you would keep on a farm into that discovery box. You might put grass or hay, other items that the kids could stick into the Play-Doh. Kate's making a face again. So you would stick into the Play-Doh and so that they could make something that is 3D with real objects. Okay, so the idea isn't that they're going to mush it inside the Play-Doh. Right, and they may. But again, making Play-Doh costs like 50 cents for a big batch of Play-Doh. Okay, so let's talk about making Play-Doh. Again, you oh, like Play-Doh. I love it. Why, why are we making Play-Doh? I mean, that's what we buy Play-Doh for. Well... Because we don't want to spend the money and send it to Play School or Mattel or whoever it is who makes Play-Doh. So one of the reasons is a budget conscious reason. Another is that you can teach math skills by having them, quote, cook, unquote, the Play-Doh. Um, and there's Play-Doh that you can make using microwaved water. There's some doughs you can make that don't require any heat at all. You can make it very smooth, sort of a, a cornstarchy texture. That's usually if you're going to do that, you know, unicorn Play-Doh. You're going to use the nice smooth texture ones. I always like one of my favorites, favorite ways to do Play-Doh is actually to add Kool-Aid to it. I love Kool-Aid Play-Doh. It just smells so good. Um, and well, it what has, if they want to eat it? Okay, it's flour, salt, oil, and water. So it's the tortilla. 
<laughs> I mean, homemade Play-Doh is basically uncooked bread or uncooked tortilla. It's not, it's not dangerous. Even the store-bought Play-Doh is not dangerous. Some of the modeling clay, I would not suggest eating. <laughs> but if you're making homemade modeling clay, if you're making homemade Play-Doh, absolutely no problem eating it. Even if you're using clay, you know, terracotta clay that somebody would make a pot out of, you can eat that. It's okay. <laughs> There's nothing that's a problem with it. That's another reason why I like it, because it's texture play that's not dangerous in any way. You can stick Play-Doh in your nose, and they will, and it's okay, because it's all food products. And then, okay, so they have food product in their nose, and then their parents are like, why did my kid blow their nose and it was bright red? Because uh, we made bright red Play-Doh because we were talking about the color red. <laughs> and I'm sorry, your child is three. Um, and there was an orifice and they needed to see if they could fill it up. Be glad it was that orifice and not their ear. <laughs> you know, so I love play. I love the kids making Play-Doh because there's so much science and literacy because they're reading the recipe and they're mixing it and they're cooperating. So it's true cooperative play, even in a toddler classroom where they're putting all the ingredients into a baggie and mushing up a baggie inside of an, in the toddler room, when you're doing this, put the baggie inside a baggie and then put, or put the Play-Doh in a baggie, the contents of, for the Play-Doh in a baggie, and then put that baggie into a gallon size baggie because toddlers' hands are much stronger than they know <laughs> and they will bust those baggies. But double baggie for the toddlers and the older kids, we use a mixing bowl and then they get to, to do that. So how often do you make Play-Doh? My most OCD about Play-Doh, once a week. <laughs> um, but generally once a month is is plenty. <laughs> and I could see this even being a great opportunity to spend time with your staff and do staff training and have the staff really get into working together. A lot of those same skills that you were just talking about with the kids, turning around and having your staff do as a staff training and encourage the staff to talk through all the different ways they could use the Play-Doh even in their classroom. Yeah, and also for them to evaluate the different recipes because you get stuck on a recipe. Like I said, my favorite is the Kool-Aid one, but I've made probably 30 different Play-Doh recipes over the years. But some staff get ornery. I'm going to go with ornery. Um, and they won't try something else. And so doing that as a staff meeting works pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, I have kids who are learning the shapes of letters, make those letters out of Play-Doh. Kids who are mad, you know, their parent is out of town on vacation. You need to hit something. Let's get out a big old thing of Play-Doh. And instead of a single child amount of Play-Doh, I would give them like an entire bowl's worth of Play-Doh. If the kid is really, really angry and they need to hit something, I'll give you a whole bunch of Play-Doh. You can, you can just work the tar out of that. So outside of curriculum and maybe some behavior management, what are some other things that you do with Play-Doh? I mean, obviously, I guess you could make it a tortilla. <laughs> yes, you can bring it into the home center and use it in the home center. Um, you use it in literacy. It's definitely used for kids who have grip strength issues. So as part of occupational therapy. So you don't always have to get a kid into OT. Sometimes you can do that on your own if you've got a kid who just, like, they can't grasp the zipper to pull it up. If you have a child who doesn't have the grip strength to hold onto a zipper to zip up their pants, 
they need to play with Play-Doh a lot and very firm Play-Doh because they need to build up those muscles. A lot of times kids who were late babies, so babies who maybe came, who, who were delivered like at the end of the two weeks after the due date that you can deliver a baby, a lot of times they will have a hard time with those fine motor skills. And so having those kids work with Play-Doh will help them develop that grip strength. Okay, so we've talked about curriculum, we've talked about centers, we've talked about why to make it, we've talked about staff. I've seen you use Play-Doh in places, and even the phrase Play-Doh, in places that cracked me up. So tell me a little bit about how you even use it when hiring. So my best ad for hiring men involves Play-Doh. I want to always have at least one man on staff at a center for various reasons. We'll probably do a podcast about why I think there need to be more men in childcare and why more centers need to get over themselves and hire men. But <laughs> let's just say, you know, for me, I always wanted there to be a guy. So every time I ran this ad, I had guys apply and it said, do you want to play with Play-Doh? If so, we've got a place for you. Call and then my phone number, and then after I had the call to action call and my phone number, I said, full-time, part-time staff for an early learning center, blah, 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 blah. But I put the call to action before the description of the job, and then another call to action at the bottom. Because guys respond to that ad. They do want to play with Play-Doh. They do. Who doesn't want to play with Play-Doh except Kate? I mean... I understand that it can be messy, but again, I'm looking for 20-something guys. They are not known for their tidiness. <laughs> I want to get them in the center, and I want them to know that we value play. So I put that in there. It's also on one of the questions, the written questions in my application. It's a question about cleanup, the one that is on my questionnaire in the employment application. It's like, what would you do if you opened up a box and there were cookie cutters with dried, crusty Play-Doh. And haven't you also had that as a question you actually asked in the actual interview? Well, I've asked various questions in the interview about, and again, it depends on what I'm looking for. I write all my interview questions for that position before I interview the first person. So if I've got a classroom where I have one person who's really good at curriculum, but they're not, we're going to say down and dirty. They don't play as much as I want. What I like to have if I've got two staff people in a classroom is I like to have one person who has a particular skill set and then another person who's just fun. So I might have somebody who's really good at developing curriculum and one person who's just really good at joy or a person who you know, sings, and then a person who just has joy, you know. I always want there, if I have two teachers in a classroom, I want one of them to just be full of joy <laughs> and to just be willing to have fun and goof around with the children. I want somebody who will climb under tables so that they can paint, like, the Sistine Chapel. I, I just want that. That's my kind of program. I know that's not everybody's, but that's who I am. And so if I'm looking for that person who likes to play, I will ask questions like, what is your favorite memory involving working with dough, Play-Doh, salt dough, modeling clay? And if they don't have any memories of that, then 
they're probably not a person who's going to play. Because whether it was, you know, you were with your grandmother and you're making bread or whether you had Play-Doh, somewhere in your life you should have a good memory of Play-Doh or playing with dough, I think. I mean, even rolling up those ridiculous crescent rolls, you know, some people that's what they mentioned. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like okay now I'm hungry alright so <laughs> as we kind of wrap up this episode and all things Play-Doh a couple other things that you want to just make sure that people don't forget or some maybe underutilized uses of Play-Doh it is a great thing to pass out at Halloween we already talked about that but also if you're at a booth because you're having there's a community event having Play-Doh that the children have made and putting that into a plastic baggie with the recipe and saying this Play-Doh made by, and then the child has written their name for you to share with your child is an amazing marketing gimmick that parents absolutely love it because it's something that was obviously made by the kids because it is not a uniform color. And also it's got the kid's name on it. And then again, Using it to increase the play with action figures, for lack of a better word. So like we were talking about with the farm unit and them having the horses and the Play-Doh and stuff like that. So bringing materials other than a rolling pin and cookie cutters into your Play-Doh play. So please play more with Play-Doh. It's so much fun. All right. Well, so thank you, Gary, for for such a fun little um, kind of podcast episode, because, again, a lot of times we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, how we can basically make dough, save dough, do something related to dough. And a lot of times we are talking specifically about money. And I know that Play-Doh is very close to your heart. It is. I love it. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing, programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.